Shut up, I love it. Hey, uh, hey guys. Hey, are you day laborers? Okay, I, I need four guys. I need four guys. We're gonna pull a dude out of the dirt. <laughs> Shut up. I love it. This is Joe Cabello with a little skit to start it. Yeah, this was more narrative than you usually do. Usually it's more performative. And this yeah. is Sasha Filer, by the way. What is this, Oh, good Joe? to meet you. Yeah. This is Shut Up, I Love It. And we're here to, if you've never listened to the show, then you're in for a treat. We bring on a special guest to talk about something that they love that's important to this process that is either maybe misunderstood, hated. Not the dude. Or the, no, not, not the person. Not we, the person. we try not to bring in those <laughs> guests, but you never know. But it's all about them talking about something they love that is under one of those categories. It's pretty simple. And uh, I nail it every time with the intros. Yeah. So. And let's see if the guest nails it once again for the umpteenth time. Some practice already. With his topic. Welcome, Jay Hunter. Hello. Well, glad to be back. I wonder if, do your, does your audience get more confused about what the show is every time you guys do a cold open? Like, 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 does it, does well, it become more and more? I think my explanation <laughs> of it is pretty down and I have it, at least, unless I'm like on a really weird day where I'm go- trying out something new. Uh, I will say Sasha's gets, she tries something new every time. Yeah, I got tired after a hundred episodes of saying the same but thing. But they love it. You know, I feel like people. if I was like like an audience member, I'd be like, wait, did they reformat the show? Like every episode, be like, wait, wait, is the show something different now? Like, did they Keep them on the edges of their seats is what I say. But they'll never see an episode with you and think we're doing a different show because... For people who it is their first time listening, I'm expecting like a bunch of people, a bunch of Bill Wheatley fans will uh, <laughs> be listening in for the first time. Uh, this is Jay Hunter, uh, 17th time on the show. Yes. So that's why there's no big fanfare for this guest. But and, warm you know, feelings. All warm, warm feelings, but you know, we, we're not going to do the full parade. I'm here. used to like a nice reclining chair. They've got me on an Apple box. Like there's no respect. Like the, the more times you go on the show, the least, the, the less respect that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're given, but that's okay because I am, uh, you know, the, the, the favored, uh, guest. I, I I'm the, I'm the fan favorite. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where he gets his numbers, but (laughs) from his own podcast. (laughs) Uh, So we, you came here to talk about something new. Yes, I came here to talk about yet another topic. You think that I'd have exhausted my, uh, you know, my 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 amounts of things of obscure things that I I enjoy and obsessed with, but I have not. I'm here to bring forth to you a little movie called A Field in England. Directed by Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley. I said Bill Wheatley, but I think funny. I think it's the closest anybody ever got his name because nobody knows who that <laughs> no, guy is. But it's like Jeff prolific. Spielberg. Like he's like the lesser <laughs> yeah. known Wheatley. Prolific director, though. He's yeah. directed an adaptation of Rebecca. He did Firefight. He did um, what's the High Rise. Yeah, he's done uh, what the, the, I think it's called the Kill List. I think is like the one of his early ones that I think is particularly Correct. good. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of movies, and uh, he's. Uh, I think that my uh, my favorite movie of his, aside from Field in England, is Sightseers. Uh, that's one that's on. I recently can, rewatched and it's still good. Yeah, you can find it on the Criterion uh, collection. I believe one of the I believe the actor who plays Friend 
is also the main guy in Sightseers. Oh, it's impossible to tell because this movie that we're here to talk about, A Field in England, is a historical drama, question mark, but definitely people are pretty dressed down or dressed into a different time period. So you can't yeah. tell what they look it's like. It's set in what I would I would say it's maybe like the 1600s or something in, in England. Uh, 17th. I think 1700s okay 17th century 1600s Ooh, I was right on the you first, know, first try yeah. I don't know so uh, but, th- you know, thank you things. Joe that's why you're my favorite host Fact of, of, the, of the podcast because you always support me um, she's looking it up to crush us both right regardless now. it's it's a few hundred years ago in England in, in you know pre-industrial time and uh, should I just go into it and tell you what the movie is? Uh, don't give us a full it... one. Just uh, give us the one sentence what it's about. So, n- so not a shot by shot. Uh... No, if you want me to as well, I nail these. I nail <laughs> log lines. I'm a professional writer if people didn't know. Well, why don't do you have the log line? Because I'm terrible at this. I will just 17th start rambling. 17th century, 1600s. I was right. Dish, 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 dish. I, and I was the most right. I think yeah. that's true. And you brought hierarchy. peace back into this house. Hold. So it, it, it's about a... Uh, Two soldiers in the 1600s war desert it and get linked up with these two other people and get wrapped up in a uh, and become prisoners themselves of a like necromancer. Yeah, yeah, I would say that that's that's pretty accurate. I mean, what it is basically is it's it's like an experimental narrative uh, <laughs> psychedelic uh, period piece. Sounds right? like everything that you brought onto this. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. I mean, like the, like the last movie we did, uh, what, what was it? Um, Upstream Color, another experimental <laughs> exact same description. Yeah, no yeah. Genre. I mean, you might notice a pattern here of the things that I'm I'm interested in, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's an odd movie. It's a unique movie because it's in black and white. It's a period piece set in the 1600s, um, and yet. It's it's like a it's like a psychedelic uh, dream slash nightmare escape, um, and it's not really plot driven. In fact, the plot is you know the, the narrative is very surreal. You, you know, like like we're, we're we're walking along in a field with the characters, and then suddenly you know that the, all the characters are pulling this rope. We don't see what they're pulling, and, and, and you know it ends up it's that they're they're dragging this this man like covered in dirt. You know, like it's it, there's there's not like you can't make logical sense of a lot of the. The, the plot points in this film it's just it's it's kind of like a dream in and of itself and then at one point in the movie that they the characters all are on psychedelics and it becomes even more dreamlike so like but, but it's but, not completely mm. bonkers like well, except for no. that big moment of pulling a guy like the antagonist basically out of the ground everything else is like more or less cohesive like you can tell the story to somebody and explain well, yeah. it also yes, you. It's not weird in that way, but I do believe they take the mushrooms before then. Oh right? yeah, or at least, no, oh yeah. The one guy doesn't, so that's where it gets a little. Yeah, not all of them are on mushrooms. Like two of the four when they are pull on them out, mushrooms yeah. when they pull uh, O'Neill out, who is you call him the necromancer. I would call him more like the wizard. Um, necromancer sounds cooler. I think. No, no, for for, for sure. But but he's, evil. A necromancer is kind of evil wizard in a way. That's reductive. I would say necromancer is more of like a wizard who who deals with raising the dead. Uh, the necro part of the mancer, right? Uh, he sure does. But does he raise the dead? Ish, possessions. Right? I think even possessions kind of. Go into a necro. I can see that. Yeah, he he does invoke a demonic entity into uh, one of the characters, uh, whose name is Whitehead, right? Um, I, I mean, re- really, this movie is about uh, the character Whitehead who falls out of this battle, kind of deserts his master, and we're led to believe that he 
is he and his master are searching for this character named O'Neill, who we later find out is a wizard of sorts. So, um, so, so Whitehead kind of falls up through these bushes and leaves what what were what were assumed to be like a large battle going on on the other side of the hedge. His master gets killed. And, um, and, and, and he's, he's left by himself. He comes across these three other people, uh, one of which happens to be O'Neill's kind of assistant. Uh, they, they start walking along in the fields and they eventually... Looking like, for uh, a pub. So they have a goal. Like they're looking for a pub to get drunk and eat some food. Yeah, they're like, they're kind of des- all deserting this battle saying like, let's get the hell out of here. Let's go to the pub and have a drink and eat food. Now, um, that that's what uh, the character of... Uh, my she here the character of friend and the character of jacob are 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 mostly those are our two kind of like innocent bystanders uh in in, in this in this not, narrative not until you see one of his dicks <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing innocent about this man but they're they're essentially they were wrapped up in the battle as well correct yeah and 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 whitehead is has been on this mission to find o'neill now cutler uh is the fourth uh, of of the initial troop of people and cutler we we seems innocent enough seems seems like a random bystander we l- later find out that he's kind of a the assistant slash conspirator with o'neill um but uh but anyway so so friend and, and jacob muscle i would say his muscle yeah yeah absolutely and, and so friend and jacob those two characters are are truly innocent bystanders wrapped up into this whitehead has his own agenda he's trying to find o'neill and cutler um, has ostensibly discovered Whitehead and has brought Whitehead and the gang to O'Neill uh, in, in a rather surreal fashion. By like I said, all of a sudden they just start pulling this rope and 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 you, you for said, a while too. And this is when I started like spacing out, a being minute, like, what minute and a half or two. The fuck is going yeah, yeah, yeah. on? I, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that I love about this film, which which it, it doesn't even it doesn't care to explain anything. It's just, it just says, okay, we're, it's like, it's very much like dream logic. Like, like they're, they're walking through this field, you know, the, uh, uh, Cutler, you know, says, I'll make some food. He gets a bunch of mushrooms from the field, puts them in a pot that they all eat it. And then things start happening that don't make really any sense, any logical sense. And the, and the filmmaker isn't, isn't concerned with that. That's not what this story is about. And what it is about, I don't, I can't really tell you having watched it many times. I can't tell you what it, what it's about, but, uh, or, or what it's trying to say. All I know is that I really enjoy the ride. And this I is how we wrap up this episode. Yeah, well, good, uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, you know, what, what, what else is there to talk about? Like, aside from the from the from the, the climax of the film, right? I mean, that's the well. Well, I I should back up that the, the the there's there's a climactic sequence at the end of the film, which is really the whole reason you watch you you sit down for an hour and a half and watch this film. It's it's the kind of it's the tour de force of feel in England. But prior to that, there's one moment where. O'Neill um, pulls Whitehead into his tent and invokes a demon of sorts, you know, like possesses him with some sort of spirit, ostensibly so that he, so that Whitehead in his possessed state will then lead them to a buried treasure, right? Um, and th- there's a there's a, a moment like so so you hear Whitehead, he's inside the tent with O'Neill, and Whitehead is screaming like he's being tortured or being shown like the most horrendous. A long sight. time, a lot of a long screaming. I was. Watching it next to my fiance, she was watching something on her laptop so I could get the TV. Yeah. And then there's just about three minutes of screaming <laughs> and a shot of a tent, and she's just occasionally looking over at me like... 
What was she watching? What are you watching? I think she was watching like something akin to Twilight or Tw- Twilight. That was my guess. Along mm-hmm. those lines, <laughs> I don't think it was exactly Twilight, but it was something mm-hmm. really Twilight good. adjacent. Yeah, mm-hmm. something that was a lot more uh, family friendly than mm-hmm. screaming for three minutes. But yes. yeah, so so he's screaming in this tent for an extended period of time, and then the state that you're lingering on this shot of the tent, the kind of a head, the toe size shot. And then all of a sudden uh, the music changes, the screaming stops and you see whitehead emerge from the tent and we're in slow motion now. Like synthesizer, right? Kind of ish. Slow, yeah. like yeah. trippy music. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So almost like a tangerine dream type of synth mm-hmm. score uh, or, or, or like a, a very similar to the score of Mandy. I, I, I thought I oh, felt, yeah. Um, but yeah, very dark and sinister sounds. And you see whitehead emerge from the tent and he has this like, crazed possessed look on his face yeah, he's a different guy yeah yeah completely different guy and he's got a rope slow-mo. tied around him it's in slow-mo and he's just kind of walking out of the tent walking past the other characters um uh on a mission of sorts and it's just a really really long shot and it, i remember in the theater when i first saw this movie as soon as i saw that shot i was you know up until then i'm thinking okay this is this movie about 1600s it's you know kind of weird what's happening um but as soon as i saw that shot i was on board i, I, I for some reason just that like the crazed look in the actor's face and that, pretty and that slow motion moment like like that in and of itself i could just watch on loop for some reason sometimes you you encounter these shots in cinema where uh, the, these moments in cinema where where they're just like completely emblematic of like of like you know pure goodness. I don't know. I don't know what like what, what other words. The to say, medium but, basically. What medi- yeah, the medium? Medium like, can it do. Feels like, yeah. Yes. This is the perfect use of the medium type mm-hmm. of thing. In this yeah. Moment. It's completely transformative. And also goodness. There's goodness in it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very good. Pure goodness. Super good. No. It, it's, it's the I mean, best it's like, sequence of the movie. It's fucking it, nuts. And it's, it, it's, if it's, anything, it's, I wish the movie was more of that. Yeah. Yes. No. 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 A- absolutely. I mean, I guess what I, what I why my goodness quote unquote is what I was I was trying to say was it's transcendence, right? Like, so you can just sometimes you see sequences in films. And you know, like another one that comes to mind is like the the it's the assassination the assassination scene assassination. of uh, of uh, uh, in Apocalypse Now, like the the final sequence where where uh, Willard kills Kurtz, right? Like so that like that that whole sequence is just transcended. It's just it just like it, it's elevated upon or above all other a set piece uh, of that of sorts that like is even more than a set piece because it's like it's like meta set piece yeah and it feel it feels just like it 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 rises above like the idea of a film or a story it's just it's like a work of art to be looked at and admired uh separate from from the film itself so anyway so this transcendent like a giri with monkeys yeah that's that's another perfect example a i think this movie is very similar to a giri in the feel of it yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah i when i was watching it just in the uh in the lens of this is a Jay Hunter movie. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. But I think it's like a Geary with the monkey scene. I think it's so similar to this because it's a distills the movie down to what it's about and the trying DNA. to yeah. say. And that shot, this movie is about uh, agency. It's about having your own personal agency to make choices and how wow. duty doesn't feel like having agency. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, Whitehead does find his agency through duty. And Dude. that's why he returns to the war. And that's why that that's scene great. is so effective. Because the guy who has been fighting for agency the whole time and also wrestling with, no, I'm not a coward running away from this, even though I am running away from the war. I'm still on a mission. I'm still doing the right thing. Even though we as the audience are like, no, this guy's running from the war. He's being a coward. 
and then he meets this uh this shaman guy he's you see him losing control of the situation and the shaman is like he's the one that picks uh whitehead from the from like wherever they else like he decides that he's going to be his puppet yeah and i think they knew each other correct yeah they, they, they know each other they insinuate that there is some relationship like in the past because again whitehead's master um like like his lord or whatever who gets killed in the beginning of the movie it, it it's inferred that like o'neill like they're, they're looking for O'Neill. Yeah, he stole something, or 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 they they need him because he's betrayed them, or they're basically Whitehead and his lord are on a mission to to find O'Neill, and we don't know what the battle is all about. Whether they were just happened to be in a battle, or the battle is about this like like this mission that they're on. We're not quite sure, but but you're right. He, well, actually, he is a deserter. Wikipedia does know. Like, like I mean, like you you're saying, like well, nobody knows which war it is, but it's the English Civil War of 1700. Yeah, it felt like it's it's an important war to all of them, even. If if it's not important personally it's like mm-hmm. oh this is something we're a part of and i think that's so important to what the movie's doing because whitehead uh, is the only one who's not on shrooms he's the only one who's fighting back against uh what's his name uh the the shaman o'neill o'neill uh he's the I mean, only he, one he, he is on shrooms at, at toward at the end at, at the end yeah, he yeah. eventually gets there but until that uh that moment where he switches and gets possessed He's essentially has as much agency as he as he possibly could and is fighting back and is like, no, I'm not going to do this. These guys are fucked up. That's why they're helping you. So then when we see him come out with a smile on his face after screaming and then doing his bidding, I think it's not just like the shot and the composition, but it's that. It's like that whole journey we've gone with him up into the film into that point which is still pretty early on but mm-hmm. we're like damn mm-hmm. that was the only guy who seemed to have his head on straight and and that's that's not even like he had his head on straight that much he was still like a oh, flawed yeah, he, character yeah. certainly but at least in the situation and then here he walks out of that and as an audience member it feels like oh the it's lost yeah, yeah o'neill is yeah. winning Hope, at hopeless this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, uh, there's interesting elements of the 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 Cutler O'Neill relationship too, because at one point Cutler tells O'Neill like 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 those two have eaten the mushrooms, but he didn't, right? The Whitehead didn't, right? So so there's this kind of conspiracy going on where O'Neill has instructed Cutler to dose them all, basically, and Whitehead didn't take the dose, but then he gets put into an altered state of consciousness from being possessed right and and so and so like everybody's in this like altered state the, the you know friend and jacob are 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 on mushrooms uh whitehead has been possessed by this demon like like he doesn't get unpossessed he kind of it kind of wears off a little bit but he's still in this sort of like altered state and then and then you know w- w- the, when the final sort of battles quote unquote happens uh we see we see uh whitehead just like eat every mushroom on earth basically just he's stuffing his mouth mm. with it there the mushrooms are falling out of his mouth and and uh i i mean i think i think that that sequence in the film which is the 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 kind of like stroby uh edited uh uh you know fast cutting ultra psychedelic part of the film to me that that other than the the shot of of Whitehead, you know, walking in slow motion that we were just talking about is transcendent. I mean, that whole end sequence is like something to be studied in film school. I mean, it's 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 like it's a great work of art in and of itself, separate from the the narrative of the film. Like I've ne- I've never seen not since I've been in film school and we've watched 
all this crazy, you know, Stan Brackage, you know, Jack Smith, weird shout out, weird br- like br- Bruce Connor, like like you know, all all that Maya Darren, you know, that you talked about before, like you know, th- these people who 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 you know, who pioneered editing techniques like that, Kenneth Anger. Um, it, it's it, it's it's like a a, a real you know, a, a real accomplishment in, you know, as far as like the history of avant-garde film, right? Wouldn't you say, I mean, like the, the, the sort of like Rorschach uh, images that, that they're doing by, by cross-cutting different, uh, you know, the, the, the trippy sequence. Yeah. The trippy sequence mm. is, is what I'm the one about. that I saw first, because now we're going to talk about how Joe and I are familiar with this film at all. I knew that Jay was in love with this film, but the one time I walked in and like him watching the film in the living room was during that sequence. And I got immediately like just like nauseous and like dizzy <laughs> and like it's hard almost to watch. stripping. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it one day. And that yeah. was years ago. Have you seen this before? Jeff? I haven't seen it. I wasn't even familiar with it because I knew Ben Wheatley's work a little bit just from seeing High Rise and uh, Free Fire, I think is the name of the movie. Um, High Rise was really interesting and weird. Mm-hmm. Was it, I think it's like his, one of his most famous movies. Is it, it really it good? It feels like it is. You know, I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but uh, I also, it would be worth a rewatch, I think. Uh, yeah, I I don't like High Rise is the J.G. Ballard one with Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, right? like, oh yeah, yeah, we couldn't get through that one. Yeah, d- didn't like it. I mean, I, I real Sightseers I think is his like other great film, and then there's a movie I think it's called Kill List, which is also great, which also stars um, the guy who plays O'Neill is is in Kill List as well. That those are the only ones that, that I've seen that I've been really blown away by. But like, I mean every movie he makes is completely different, which is very interesting. Like I can't really find like a, a through line that, that connects all of Ben Wheatley's film films. I mean, if you watch field, the, the field, a field in England is the first movie I saw of his. And, and I immediately was like, Holy shit, this guy is a maniac. Like I got to see his other weird films. And, and every one that I saw was completely different. Like there was nothing, you know, nothing stylistically related. Like each one was a completely different, um, uh, approach on filmmaking. So, you know, very interesting filmmaker. Cause like, you know, I can't think of anyone else who who really just changes it up so dramatically with every film. Uh, what's the director of the Green Room? That to me, that's the closest. Oh yeah, Jeremy Saulnier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, yeah, he's great too. I mean, but um, but but still, I mean, not as much. He has like like what did he do? Green Room, and he did Blue something. Blue Ruin. Yeah, Th- there's still like a. I mean, stylistically they're different, but there's still like subject matter that kind of connects it. There's mm-hmm. oh, they're always like dealing with some Pacific Northwest well, like racist people. Wheatley you know? likes to murder a bunch of people in his <clears throat> movies. So yeah, certainly yeah, certainly. violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what's cool about the editing and uh, just the general vibe of the movie is it's not uh, techniques we see often now period but in western cinema you know like metaphorical things like you could have uh what's it cutler or o'neill rather the shaman walk into walk out from behind a tree i got you guys whatever or pretend he's a beggar and then that reveal himself it's the same outcome as them pulling him out of the dirt you know, like so. I I wonder if there was this was in the script, and here I have to say that the movie is such a like white boy fest, obviously, right? But it was written by a woman, which it's is a white insane. boy summer. White boy summer. It's like <laughs> it the really boys is. of summer is the soundtrack to the movie. The boys of summer. Yeah, <laughs> it plays. Um, but there is a boys of summer edit where you can just play that over. It. So, but like it's written by a woman, which is I mean to me it's surprising, like in the good way, like like wow, she fucking really. 
got just like an like into this gnarly headspace of like what this fucking guys like hundreds of years ago would be feeling for the first time getting like eating psychedelic. I don't know. Yeah, for one, for one, you can't blame a man for making a movie all about men. Like now, you can blame a woman for doing it. Oh well, yeah, and I'm but sure she's there's the wife. plenty of tweets that are like, "Oh great, another white man," and then you're like, "But, but she's Wheatley's <laughs> wife, so I think he oh, forced yeah. her. He twisted her hand and said, "Write a great screenplay." No, he teams. wrote it and said, "Let me use your name because that'll get us press." <gasps> yeah. Oh, oh shit. Oh, Climate conspiracy, and now this. <laughs> this is how we're moving. Thanks, along. Joe Biden. But I think it's uh, that's really cool techniques that are valid, but we don't see them in Western cinema. We see them a lot in, uh, I would say, like Japanese. Cinema. Definitely has Japanese vibe going on. Yeah, especially in the, in, in the psychedelic sequence. I mean, like the, like another striking technique aside from the cr- the fast cross cutting between images that you know, like like essentially he's he's doing many different things. But one thing is he'll take uh, an image and then the reverse image of it, kind of. Um, put them butt them up together and then cross cut in between them and so it creates this almost palindrome t- type of image um like, like, award. like I, I i would compare it to like a rorschach test like like an ink blot test you know like like and so yeah. but but he's creating it through the cuts and not through the juxtaposition of uh, or, or like superimposition of images that, that's the thing is that, that he's doing he's not like superimposing he's doing it through hard cuts but because it's happening so fast the 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 latent image becomes a superimposition in your brain uh which is a very interesting uh technique um but but the other thing that i really love in, in that psychedelic sequence is the is um they're they're, they're kind of crawling through the grass and the wind they've got these like massive wind machines blowing as if it's like a tornado but you're not hearing the sound of wind right like mm. and and, and, and they're, they're tripping so it's from their perspective yeah and the, it was it was yeah. it was very like i just thought it was a very cool psychedelic technique that that doesn't it's not like something that happens when you're on psychedelics but like it somehow makes sense when you when you view it through a psychedelic lens um like so they're 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 talking in very kind of like like a reserved understated way understated yeah t- like hushed tones but like the the, the visually you're seeing I'm them just screaming. being blown by like 80 mile an hour wind winds and it, it like it, it looks like apocalyptic on screen but mm. but but you're hearing their words saying like oh no like you know, I'm ca- I'm crawling through the grass, and it's all it's okay. yeah, and yeah, the lo- yeah. and the guy is screaming, right? Yeah, but it's all quiet, and then you just hear like I don't know, like, like just somebody like almost like puppets like retelling this dialogue instead, mm. but yeah. it looks like cool because you've never seen them before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just it, it's cool because I I think because it's he's trying to create like a psychedelic uh, 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 you know landscape so to speak or, or or vision but he doesn't do the, the the typical like smeary you know trippy traily you know um uh cl- you know i guess, I guess there's a, a kaleidoscopic element with this with this uh, rorschach thing that i'm talking about but like i don't know he, he just doesn't resort to any of the any of the, the the five psychedelic uh uh cinematography tools that you have in your toolbox he's he's doing new stuff which is always exciting well he's changing uh, the like narrative itself you know it's like those mm-hmm. techniques where you see maybe two people are having an argument one person's losing it and suddenly you see they're like in a fish tank mm-hmm. talking to the other person mm-hmm. the other person's still talking to them as if they're not in a fish tank but then you just have that visual metaphor i i really love that stuff but you don't see it a lot because most movies their whole construction most movies are eat pray it. love yeah, Eat, Pray, Love doesn't allow the construction yeah. to even have that shot. I haven't seen Eat, Pray, Love. Um, and some of those techniques are, like, laughable. What was that movie with uh, uh, 
Oh, Joanna, Johannesburg, uh, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Scarlett. You Johansson. have to go like three, three steps yes, to I get knew. to that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't want to say Colin Joe's wife. Right, but, uh, but that, Johnson. but that's what she is. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, a fact. That's that's her legacy now. <laughs> yeah, legally, she's more Colin Joe's wife than anything else. Legally, <laughs> to but, me, she's a woman who recently gave birth. That's how I think of her. Mm, that's your second lens time overall. Yeah. Now a hero, with people. But in that, in uh, Lucy, I believe it was, which isn't a great movie, but that just uses the classic like uh, editing techniques of as she's chasing somebody, they're cutting to shots of a cheetah slinking oh, through the glass. You know, that just kind I of... I don't need to see that. Just, and it, we balk at that stuff, right? Because it feels so classic and kind of like over. Um, but I think we lose something when we balk at all of that type of stuff, even with editing and like... Because then shit just starts looking the same. Like glossy, predictable, quote-unquote realism. Yeah, then it's just realism, which isn't necessarily what we need on uh, on the screen. Yeah, I, I just I just hats off to Field in England for like pioneering, you know, some really kind of simple in camera techniques and and just like you know straight. They're not using visual effects and and CGI imagery like which can be done really well. Like for one of the best uh, uh, visual interpretations of psychedelics is a movie. That who knows maybe it'll be a future episode on the podcast. You're the one but, saying that. <laughs> but but uh, mid in Midsummer, have you seen Midsummer? Oh yeah, that is the oh, the visualization the of it is really good. The, in I would say Midsummer is one of the f- one of the rare instances where they actually nail what it is to be on psychedelics. I have in another terms, one in terms of like visual hallucinations. You know, um, I have another one. What, what's that? The very end of Boyhood. I don't like Boyhood, not nothing to Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I started tripping in the movie theater, just watching them sit there and take mushrooms in the last scene. I like I couldn't breathe. I started having like a minor panic attack. Oh, I don't attack. recall the scene. I, I was just I like I, I feel like I am on mushrooms right now. It's just the way, like the subtle way it was shot. Yeah, I can't remember what they were doing in that, but I remember that too. I remember remember thinking like, oh, like you know, because you can tell when someone has had the experience and they portray it on film um and then you can tell when someone's like that like they've never had the experience drugs. and they're just they like just go, drugs. They're yeah. just like it's like a drug guy they're seeing dragons and like and yeah, like you, you know. talk to a talking dragon <laughs> yeah. it's just like the corniest shit you've ever seen yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like they're mixing like the ideas of what different drugs do too yeah uh like there would be like you like well that's not what psychedelics do yeah, whatever you're, you're giggling doing. a lot and you're so hungry after doing shrooms i, I would say another <laughs> another film now that i think about it, another film or or show that did it well is that bandersnatch uh uh black mirror uh, uh choose your own adventure yeah, i special. decided to let that go that one they, they, they take acid at one point in it and 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 the guy's eyes get really black and, and I, I'm, I'm i like, remember that's that one pretty yeah. good yeah but those <clears> are even with midsummer which i agree it's showing you what visually you would also visually see if you're on drugs accurately. Yeah. While this movie, A Field in England, is the feeling. Yeah. And I the, think that's what's really cool. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Like, because like, you're obviously, you don't think that there's just wind blowing you, blow, blowing on you. And like, you know, uh, like it, it's, and you're not seeing flash cutting images at, at all. But yeah, it, it captures like that. It captures atmosphere. the, the cap, mm-hmm. captures the atmosphere. It's very expressionistic. Um, interpretation of it, which which I, I just I just admired a lot, and I, you know I think if you're if you don't like the movie, 
um, go you know, then go fuck yourself. Right. But, but, but like, you know, or if you don't want to see the movie fine, but at least watch that sequence at the end. I mean, it, it's, it's some, it's a, it's, it's a, a feat to be, to be, uh, reckoned with. And the fact that it is so like atmosphere is at the center almost of like the experience when you watch this film is what connects for me, this movie to like some Japanese masters because atmosphere is a lot of times is what, is definitely there maybe not the story maybe not always the character but the atmosphere is always in front and center in a lot of like older japanese films yeah the, like something like the cure where you're mm-hmm. like okay this actually doesn't all line up as far as logic or like you're not it's you're not a diary of events mm-hmm. but at the, by the end of it it's a feeling and it's a message and um, a boner a huge boner in that movie um <laughs> But the, uh, just yeah. on the mushrooms part two, I think that uh, is another example of my agency reading of it because he refused to do the mushrooms for his fasting for in the his beginning, duty. Like in the first time, yeah. Yeah, and in the end, what does he do? He eats the mushrooms to gain his agency. Is that why he didn't eat the mushrooms because yeah, he's fasting? I, I missed yeah. the fasting part uh, but because I couldn't understand a word they were saying and. Uh, I thought he was kind of grossed out by it, or or, or was or was just like didn't was didn't trust it or something. He was fasting. I, I wouldn't uh, say that it wasn't those things as well, but at least what he straight up says is, mm-hmm. "I'm fasting. I'm not going to do that." Um, and then in the end, he actually he does do it to gain a greater agency than even fasting would, as far as like honoring your yeah. Religion. And and I mean, like in confronting you know the the wizard on his own level. You know, he 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 defeats him eventually, and then becomes him, right? So so at the end, we see you know he's taken O'Neill's hat and his cloak, and he's kind of leveled up. It's almost like mm-hmm. you know Gandalf defeats the Balrog and becomes the White Wizard, right? Like he's yeah. you know I I, I I I love this idea of like of like leveling up, you know, like in in a mystical sense. Well, in fact, <clears throat> I mean, it feels like it's the journey was like almost like meant to be for this character. It's not like he on his own made it all happen, but this feels like inevitability to his, like you're saying, Jay, leveling up, because it feels like the wizard almost like is is part of like the the machine like that like feeds to his making. I don't know, like it's all feels very, um, like it's the fate of, and not so much the character fighting for something, but it's like his fate is to become that because he was fasting because he started from like zero and because he was chosen chosen to uh become this uh rod that finds treasure and he's turned into a zombie which is completely just obliterated his personality like he's just like an empty vessel and then he is filled like fills it up with a new person Mm -hmm. but it's like there's something very um like inevitable like almost like greek tragedy in in this like, cause he was just like a dude, like he had no, I don't even think he wanted to eat or drink so much. And like, he had no goal in the beginning. Well, yeah, I mean, he was a coward as he, well. Like, he was right? a coward and a slave to his master. Like everything about him mm-hmm. was a slave to everything, fear, his master. Uh, so, but at the end for him to co- become O'Neill, yeah, that's a, his perfect growth. Now the question would be is if it continued on, is he, 
does that path take him towards evil or does that or is he able to retain any of his good qualities i I think it i think it almost um transcends good and evil like he becomes goodness he becomes a wizard he he becomes like a like a a, a mystical being like he he picks up the scrying mirror the the black mirror you know that that, that's been broken in half and he he puts it back together and puts it in his cloak you know he he he's going to basically walk the earth and cast spells and uh and invoke demons now um because i think i think before he was almost just like a scholar of of sorts like he was just this sort of like he's not a warrior he's not a lord he's he's just an educated he's an educated class and and uh he's he's read about you know these these like these magical rituals and whatnot and 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 he's heard about o'neill who's supposedly a you know like a, a master of them but then he he kind of like you say it's it, i guess it is you know i i actually absolutely agree it is about agency and about kind of kind of becoming uh coming into your own becoming your own your own person a master of your own destiny um but 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 i guess the one thing the weakest part of the film is that like wh- how does he the female representation Yes, aside from female representation, worse than the, Dunkirk. <laughs> the the uh, uh, like I don't know where the catharsis happens. I mean, it, it certainly the catharsis happens in in the part of like the psych- psychedelic fugue scenes, you know. But um, but I guess what it's missing is to me is is like 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 what actually triggers him to make the change, other than just well, like the change didn't take happens. Mushrooms. I think that's important part to know. Like he didn't take mushrooms. The only one. Yeah. didn't take mushrooms when he took them it was a his choice. own his choice right so it right. wasn't like the mushrooms made him like the drug whatever the magic of this drug made him withstand this uh character's you know uh hero's journey like it was it was his own like ch- choice I, I feel like that's why this like it's not a three-act structure i didn't feel the three-act structure watching it no, not at all. Like, well, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's. Uh, I it's, was looking for midpoints. You know, that's what I do. It, like for a living, like I'm just like, yeah, where's the midpoint? Well, it's just basically the um, once O'Neill. That's the break into two. Once O'Neill's like, you guys are my prisoners. Shit starts, and then uh, essentially from the point where uh, Whitehead, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, fights back. That's our break into three, and that's the third act. But the darkest moment to me is the zombie moment, like. With this uh, obliteration in some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it couldn't really argue early. with that. Yeah. But I, I, I also think, a, for me, structure uh, for a film is just that there is a structure to the movie. Not necessarily that the pieces are in any particular Yeah, but sense. even totally. But when I was watching even Upstream Color, I was like, in this the fucker, he has a midpoint, he has a low, you know, like low point, like all that stuff mm-hmm. is happening. And I was like, this movie? Nope, nope, no, 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 no. We're just, we're just going. We're just going with it. And we were going with it. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, much like a Miyazaki movie, the, the the there's the climax, and then it ends rather abruptly after that, right? Like, like the, there's there there's not that. Yeah, resolution sort of, is like half a page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- resolution happens, kind of, you know, very abruptly. But um, but again, like I, this isn't a movie to be judged against other narrative films or appreciated like other narrative films are appreciated. Like it, it it's really just like a. Um, you know, like a, a tonal, I don't, it's not a tonal exercise, but, but, but it really is just like a world that you're just sort of immersed in for a little while. And then, and then it's when it's you over, crush it's it. over. You crash the world and you t- get out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, 
you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it, and then at the same time, like, like the other, the other minor characters, the um, Jacob and, and the friend are like, they're almost in like another film, right? Like they're in, they're in like a sort of, um, like a Canterbury tales type of type of story of some sort like that. Like it doesn't feel like they're in the same, the same psychedelic uh, uh, narrative that like the Whitehead is in and O'Neill's in, right? Like, th- th- did you feel that at all? Like, well, the- yeah, definitely. Just cause they, they're, they're almost two people together. They're like one mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. sort of. One um, has penis one. But maybe. they're, <laughs> yeah, we don't, had, didn't see the other one. We really could never know. Uh, so whatever they're doing, whatever their goal, it's not tied in with uh, Whitehead at all. And I think that's why they feel, you know, they're just these other prisoners. Yeah, right? I, I, I guess so they can just could kind of be and do whatever. <clears throat> yeah, I, I love their characters, but, but it, they, they have a weird relationship to the other to the rest of the film because they don't really have anything to do with like Whitehead's journey or anything like that. It's just almost like a little a little like, you know, uh, side piece for, for, for the film, like, you know, the, to, to, to hang out with those characters and hear what they're saying. Um, cause they, they truly are, um, uh, uh, you know, well, well, at least, uh, the character of friend seems like he's like a, like a, you know, a fairy from the woods or something like he, he, it doesn't feel like no. he's, a, he's a human character. Um, he's wow. a fool. Yeah. 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 He, he, he's a fool. He's, he's like a jester. Like it, it feels like he's there to kind of, to kind of say, uh, uh, you know, poetic things and, and sort of, and sort of, um, like comment on, on, on what's going on in the film and not really participate in the action. Well, he's there to the die. Film. He, he's the, the cute, cuddly, animal character that falls around one guy that dies you know he's Groot and Rocket Raccoon for the Marvel people that's what <laughs> Jacob and friend are essentially yeah, okay, yeah. they fill that role and I think they're also the contrast to Whitehead whenever you put things in like a Marvel context that like suddenly I, everything clicks like, like <laughs> we should do that more often speaking I knew of, you would help speaking of Marvel it. should we move on to the best part of this podcast the ratings well i was just in the middle of a lovely point so i you were yeah oh fuck me (laughs) i'm so sorry he was talking about raccoons and stuff. yeah the rocket raccoon and these characters these side i mean once i hear marvel i'm like let's move the no no, i mean i mean you know me too i just check out as soon as i hear that's fair but i actually think this movie (laughs) it has psychedelic and artistic elements but i actually think the story and the the details are very simple and classic. It's mm. really just gussied up. Those those two characters of Jacob and Friend are really just there to as tools in the story. One to show that they're the mirror image of Whitehead. Whitehead still has a chance to decide his destiny while you have an idiot and a coward. Like I would say Jacob's a pretty He's a straight up deserter. Straight like, up, dick out. I was in the dick out. He's he's dick just out. lost. He is like the he's dick not out. evil. He's dick out guy. He's not like an introspective person. He's just like he wants to take a shit. He wants to yeah. he wants to drink. He wants to eat. You know, he gives yeah. birth to that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's I one of the scariest shit taking scenes in cinema. I'd say that. Speaking of another set piece that transcend movie making, the only better one that I've seen recently is in Benedetta. 
Oh, we so haven't seen have it yet. Incredible shit scene. Thank in you. That. Yes. You Thank have you. to go check that out. But they well, basically well, are well, that. Well, you know, you know, famously, I haven't seen the movie, but a uh, friend of friend of the podcast and uh, Dave, uh, our friend Dave, he used to deliver scripts uh, for his work. And he, one time, he delivered a script to Paul Verhoeven's house, and and he asked Paul Verhoeven if he very politely, like, could I use your bathroom? I'm I'm about to t- piss myself, and <laughs> and so Paul Verhoeven was like, yeah, sure, go, go use my bathroom. And so he goes in the, into the bathroom and and sits down on the toilet to take a crap, and looks up, and there's like a like a fully flayed bot, like a sculpture of like a body that's and skin's been flayed. And it's, and it's like, I think, I think it's like legs were spread open. So you could see it's like, like inside of his genitalia and something, but oh, it was God. the most, he said it was the most like disturbing thing. And it was like suspended above the toilet. So you like, you'd sit down and look up and you saw this like horrific image of why like was a, he sitting down to pee? Well, I think he, was, he, I think he was taking a poo. I think he told to be polite. I think he, he told, told Verhoeven he had to take a pee, but he really had to do a number too. Yeah, he peed out of his butt. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then, as far as the the script structure, friend is there to die to be the most sympathetic, innocent character to die to then show uh, Whitehead. Oh, by inaction, people are going to die, and Jacob's best friend died because Jacob didn't was inactive so now i can save everybody so i think it's really simple stuff but done in such a cool different way this could be a horrible movie that is just straight oh, up for sure give that script to guys. like yeah. a bad director oh yeah they yeah. would fuck it up yeah, in they, five seconds this totally could be just the most boring you know for a white guy movie but I think it's the direction that really nails this movie because everything else is fairly. I mean, there is a lot of weird stuff. The script that you couldn't. I like simple deny. shit though. I like when it's simple shit, and then somebody makes something genius out of it. Well, that's you know? how it yeah. should be. Like with mm-hmm. characters, right? They say if your concepts crazy, make simple characters. If your concepts simple, wow, make a lesson crazy from characters or complex. Yes, it, it's the kind of film. It's that a I, good movie. It, it releases these. It's things. the same with makeup. If you got a lot of like red lipstick like bring the eyes down a little okay if your eyes mm. are all popping out like wipe well, i know how much of a off. fan you are of uh, makeup and, oh you know uh, me i used to <laughs> you do your tutorials anyway it's not about my <laughs> yeah, lack my... of makeup well i i th- this is the kind of film that i just i have always dreamt of working on and making you know like as a either as a director as a cinematographer like j- just something that or gaffer the, 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 or as a or as a key grip <laughs> Uh, or is a dolly grip? I'll, hell, I'll do I'll, I'll do catering on this kind of movie. But like, I, I just it's I've always dreamt of working with Werner Herzog. On, you know, like it, you, if you're listening, you, you definitely you know nailed it when when you compared it to Aguirre. Like, I love the idea of these. Um, it doesn't have to be a period piece, but but yeah, like like why not a period piece where but but it doesn't involve big castles and and you know like like armies of people. Exactly. It's just it's just a few people in costume in a landscape and a, a and dick out and the dick out like like fully spread eagle and and but the but like the you know you, you're in a physical you're in an actual landscape and then the the faces of the characters become landscapes as well and it becomes this kind of you know like pure form of cinema where you know like so many of the shots i mean you know, I, I don't know how big the crew was, but it just seems like a very intimate production. And yet, and yet, when you see the screen image, you know, when you're presented with it, it feels monumental. It feels epic in some way, much like a Gire does. You know, it's just, it's just like a couple people in in leather armor in in the jungle. But like because you've, you know, because you're you're down there with the camera and and you're really focusing on performance and 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 uh, uh, you know, like 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 the 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 face is a landscape i don't know it, it just again it it becomes transcendent and 
and like n- there's not enough films like this made. I mean, the, the, I should mention that that the I think that the big inspiration for this film is is Jodorowsky. Are you familiar with Jodorowsky? No, no. Don't point at me. I'm familiar. With you feel? Are you familiar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, Jodorowsky, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's a, uh, I believe he's Spanish. I don't think he's. Uh, he made a, his movies in Mexico, I think, but he, I think he's Spanish. Anyway, he, he's he's an avant-garde filmmaker. He made a movie called El Topo and another movie called Magic Mountain. And you, you definitely, maybe we should do a couple episodes on Jodorowsky because you I'm would sure we will. You would be he's extremely. The one offering. I'm sure what can we I do? Will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I just booked a, a full season of uh, Shut Up, I Love It. You know, <laughs> Midsummer, the films of Jodorowsky. But anyway, Jod- This is definitely like an homage to Jodorowsky. Like the especially the, the end sequence. It's it's basically. I, I feel it's a direct, a direct inspiration from his films. And so, you know, uh, the only way to describe a Jodorowsky film is watch the end of Field in England. And, and it's kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, he, he he's uh, he's the guy who was originally going to make Dune. Right. So yeah, there's, people, there's a, that's where I've mostly heard. Yeah, of there's him. a documentary called Jodorowsky's Dune. And he's this he's a visionary uh, filmmaker. And, um, you know, the, the you know, that's clearly like where a lot of this came from. In fact, like the, 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 the art, the movie poster art, uh, I, I think is in like direct reference to a Jodorowsky film. I believe I, I want to say it's magic mountain, but, um, anyway, um, for what this, it's worth, it reminds me a lot of what you see with really competent visionary directors who are comfortable in a lower budget. Uh, gosh, I, I forget the movie. It's, I keep wanting to call it raw, but it's not raw. No, it's, it's not raw because you and I do not like raw. Raw rules. Raw is really good. Is it the vampire one? No, it's the, about, yeah, cannibal. about the cannibal. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, the menstrual blood. blood oh, she's whatever. a vampire, right? Isn't she? No. Like, we never watched. I mean, we never finished it, Jay. It's we not, stopped. It, it's uh, or she, she like, it's not explicit that she's not or is a vampire, but it's she, not she, like, she goes the veterinary school. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But and she this, doesn't like bite now. She develops like, a taste. We give it like twenty five minutes. Oh yeah. no, raw is really good. Yeah. What about Titan? Titan is even better. Oh, of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we, we we differ on this one. But we watched the Titan the whole way in. Yeah, we did. We, yeah. we 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 watched. I mean, I I appreciated Titan. I you know for what it was you know for being ambitious and and I, and I I love individual elements of it, but. Um, I don't know. It, it just seemed like it was it was trying really hard to be David Lynch and David Cronenberg and and uh, and and didn't have enough of its own, um, you know, of its own identity. Like it was trying too hard to be someone else. But I mean, maybe that's, a, you know, yeah, bullshit. I think you're wrong. Maybe that's a bullshit way of, but, uh, of ta- taking it out. Yeah. <laughs> and raw. Yeah, you'd have to finish raw. Would Both you like more moves. raw or Titan? But uh yeah. I think I enjoy watching Raw more as but a movie. But you're keen to Titan. T- actually, you know, it's... So, a lot of my favorite movies, sidebars, uh, sidebar away from the original point that's... Because it wasn't about Raw at all. That was just what I thought the movie... You, you threw the Raw you threw the raw but, bomb. But uh, those... It was like, I had a lot of sexy movies for my 2021 top 10 list, and Titan was one of them was allegedly one of them, but I don't think it's a very sexy movie. I don't find it sexy, but I think no. you could easily, with especially my other movie choices for 2021, be like, oh, it was all Perfect. sexy stuff. Yeah. So I started to put it on uh, again to watch it, and Andy was again on her laptop, my fiance, <laughs> watching it. 
and just seeing out of the corner of the, her <laughs> eye these you know her having sex with a car her dancing sure. for men and to me actually none of that's really sexy it's it's doing something for me but it's not sexual it's just like i enjoy makes what you this hungry thematically <laughs> it makes me want to drive a car <laughs> go out for a drive but i actually don't think it's like that movie is in any way, but raw, sexy. Yes, raw actually is probably sexier than mm. uh, Titan. But anyways, the movie I'm t- <laughs> the movie I was referencing. I wish I remembered the director, but um, he basically was like, "I got three hundred grand. I want to make a movie. We're sick of it. Let's shoot this on sixteen and just like run around the city and get it." And the movie, uh, I wish I remembered the title again. Johannesburg. But it has a lot of similar notes of just like let's. We don't have the budget to make a straight up non trippy film, but we can add a lot of. We can add three minutes of a guy running with a chain on his neck in slow mo. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's like a cop out or like a cheap move, but it's like these directors who are able to push themselves and say, okay, we got to fill up a movie and we're not going to be able to throw a castle in it from the 16th hundreds yeah but sometimes it pushes you to become more creative exactly they end up doing things that are really creative and trippy just almost out of necessity as a a former editor i know that's a fucking thing like as you you don't have like effects or something and you come up with a cool sequence of just Mm. cutting that's all you got that you're like wow i would have never spent the time and got to this point yeah i I mean emblematic in the field in england uh you know with the battle right like you never see the battle you hear battle sounds yeah and they're just photographing like a shrub essentially there's like a big bush you know that people are emerging from and you kind of see one guy like his name is julian uh barrett i believe the actor and he's the he's whitehead's master you kind of see him on a horse a little bit but like you just see the upper half of his body and uh but you know it, it it it's like it's like they could have if they had a couple million bucks they probably could have staged a huge battle but like right. but but I don't care like I kind of appreciate that they didn't have the battle and I can tell they're they're faking it like like you know yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, but but I it doesn't take me out of it in fact it immerses me deeper into it like like the fact that they're that, that they're obscuring things because they don't have the money to do so it so wouldn't you be just in that little box if you are that character instead of taking in the whole battle right you just like fucking right. running in this little tunnel yeah. yeah and i don't think it was his the uh, ben wheatley's dream to make a this movie with the big battle yeah either i think it, it the we focus spoke to was, him it was not yeah <laughs> we know <laughs> we saw his dick just like the oh. yeah I, I, I mean for all we know in the script it says like we don't see the battle i, I like i don't know but like right. but but regardless i i you know having a film like this having bigger production value like my like there was a film called the green knight Right, that it came out recently. Yeah. Did you see it? I like yeah. the Green Knight. Yeah, we, we, I, we, 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 we were kind of we're like finished. we were kind of haters of the Green Knight. I mean, I don't know. There, there are parts of it that I enjoyed. We're not, yeah, we're not c- big haters. Kind of, kind of similar to T-Tom. Field in England, like in terms of you know just just overall genre or approach, like like kind of like trippy uh, uh, experimental narrative period piece, right? Um, but like you know that film does have a big budget, right? But um, yeah, but but. Uh, uh, you know, and, and and they are very effective, like creating you know very very you know uh, ethereal atmospheres and stuff. But like, I don't know, the, the, there's there's something about 
you know, when you've just got one camera and you got a crew of four people and how do you pull off uh, doing a movie in the 1600s with, with, with just that, like, you know, yeah. I'm kind of more interested in that than, than what the $20 million version is. Like I, I want to watch the, I want to watch the $300,000 version by master filmmakers. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I agree. And that's, it does remind me of other movies that I don't even have my phone on me to, to do any research. Well, you're, you're helpless but, today. So look it up. <laughs> uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Even Johannesburg and the $300 <laughs> or whatever. But it's something we, we do see, and this reminds me of movies of that ilk, where, yeah, let's just get a desperate director who has a big concept and not a big budget and big crew, and you will get something cool. Speaking of uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, like that was a good movie, right? Kind of felt oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, the Jonathan Glazer movie about the uh, where she's an alien. Like that's yes. an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that's on my like under the skin. I my shame called. list of like why mm-hmm. haven't I seen this yet? But yeah, you would love it. It's very, very, it's very because similar. Because every time you try to look it up, you type Johannesburg and nothing. I happens. do, and yeah. I get uh, Afri- South African. <laughs> cities or you just type colin jost and you just watch snl videos <laughs> oh they make know? me laugh so yeah. much oh man they're so ah! good tom and um, jerry he's so funny in tom and jerry he plays the know. husband is that <laughs> in the new tom and jerry movie is that real <laughs> yeah not, a tom and jerry movie came out i think last year nobody knew. starring colin jost god bless wow. uh, all i can say but no for sure like that movie <laughs> right the scarlett johansson movie that like that feels under under the skin it's like very small budget, very high concept, done well with minimum effects. I think they have like a little bit of effects, but not a lot towards the end. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's just you like, whoa, fucking creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 again, it's ma- master filmmaking uh, w- w- without a but without a lot of money to corrupt it. You better be a good director if you're doing high concept with a low budget, or else it shows. Then all you get is goofy, mm-hmm. goofy versus goodness. Is it the time to go it to the is. ratings or did I stop you? No, it's not time. Are, are you glad, though, that we went on? I actually am very glad. I'm sorry. Pregnancy brain, no, y'all, is not, bright. it's not bright. It's not bright. Let's uh, get into the ratings then. This is how the ratings work, Jay. We are going to rate this movie, A Field in England, on a scale of 0 to 10 using something else as a reference point. That something else can be a movie, uh, the movie Raw, you know? I thought that movie was great. So inside Out. Was great. It could be <laughs> Inside Out. Underneath the inside out skin, uh, or you could be choose chocolate chip cookies, you know, whatever you want. You know, butter cups, and if that doesn't make sense, I'll go first. Mm. I want to rate this movie up against Michael Mann's The Keep. I'm just gonna predict that he's mm. gonna give a terrible rating to this movie, anyway. Keep going. <laughs> well, next to Michael Mann's The Keep, Michael Mann's The Keep. Very, we watched it during the pandemic recently and we didn't finish it, but a uh, very interesting film. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe see some of the connections. Yes, Here you have yes. a period piece. Uh, Why didn't about we finish agency? Because it? <laughs> it's bad. It's well. I get the sense watching the keep that Michael Mann had a cool movie and it got completely okay. corrupted okay. by the studio. I, I think I know what you're talking because, about because it be, it's like Nazis. Gabriel Burns in it, I think, and like it, it's there's like a monster yes. element. And, and, and yes, Tangerine Dream score is amazing. Like yeah, he, it's the, funny you brought them up earlier because yeah. I was <clears throat> thinking about the keep to yeah. use keep. my rating. I was like, oh. I, I got the sense watching that that like the studio fucked it up bad because it's incomprehensible. Almost and, and you're, finished. And you're like, man, they must have re-edited this thing. Like, you know, they must have chopped the shit out of it because. Oh yeah, it could be missing twenty minutes. It yeah. feels of like, but it's still it it tracks it follows, but it is trippy. Maybe because a bit of that, you know, of 
did we lose footage? Did we get? Did things get cut? But it's just overall trippy. Period piece about these desperate people. I thought Michael Mann's The Keep is aces. It's really. I I'm not surprised if I talk to anybody and they say this mm-hmm. is a bad movie or I didn't like it. So that's also why mm-hmm. I would rate it against The Keep is a good eight out of ten. I would watch that movie with anybody anytime because most likely just, with your fiance next to you on her laptop. She she would definitely have to be on her laptop because <laughs> she's done with my recommendations. I hope she gets a nice pair of headphones because like she she's got to be watching this like with headphones on. Yeah, like, this is a tough one. I don't know how she can watch her movies while your shit's blaring like there's yeah. a man screaming in a tent for three three minutes. And then she's like, "Can you turn it down?" I'm like, "That's not watching a movie. Like you can't turn it down. It's a movie. Like." Do you have you ever been in a theater? They don't have it down, but anyways, the um, a field in England. Uh, I was very happy to have seen this movie. I don't think I loved all the moments going watching it throughout it. You know, I think sometimes it just got a little too dragging on for me. But uh, I do think it's it's everything I stand for as far as making movies words out of my mouth so i'm gonna have to give it a seven out of ten i think maybe given uh 20 40 years from now the way we're distanced from the keep no more network tv then yeah no more tv no more network no more i've biden (laughs) (laughs) another episode with all that um, so maybe it will actually increase in score given that time too. Cause I think we look at older mm-hmm. movies or movies that have the time to just a, a much uh, better light, but no, obviously I had a lot to say about this movie. So it made me think a lot and, uh, I give it a strong seven. Same for me in terms of did not enjoy watching it. So happy. I've seen it and love talking about it. Jay saw me. He was convinced I hated it. <laughs> I told him I was not hating it. Uh, Midsummer, another trippy movie with Ooh. great narrative, is a 10. This movie is an 8. Jay. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I brought this movie to the show, to the podcast, because it's one that I that I really dig. But I I, I got to tell you, on this most recent viewing, which is probably, happening the, to him. probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen it, I actually liked it a little less. It's <laughs> happening to him. Stop watching movies again, dude. <laughs> it, 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 in a in a weird way, like I I I loved the the end sequence even more than ever. But like the movie as a whole, I, I guess I was seeing a you know so, some of some of the flaws in it a little bit more. But but I think I think the first viewing of this movie is going to blow your blow your socks off. Um, if let's say uh, if Kenneth Anger's Lucifer Rising which none of you listening have ever seen, guaranteed. We talked about Sasha's it. Sasha's seen it. Nope. Uh, it, it. Probably another another future episode of the podcast for sure, Lucifer Rising. Kenneth Anger's Lucifer Rising, if that is a 9.5, uh, Field in England is an 8. Wow, strong 7 is an 8 for Field in England. Not bad, yeah. not bad. Yeah, if yeah, I were yeah. Weasley, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, he should be happy. He's got a strong <laughs> career, so... And and, and anybody, should, if, if you don't like this movie or you're not interested in it, you should nonetheless see Sightseers, uh, which yeah, is Ben different. Wheatley's... Comedy. Uh, yeah. Scary. It, yeah. Scary comedy. Demented road trip comedy. 
Uh, very dark film, which is fantastic. Uh, you can see it on the Criterion channel. And the very tight 3X structure. Yes, Criterion channel, shout out. Something shout I pay out. for every month, but often don't watch a thing Same. on it every month. But it's Same. good that you support it, right? Like that's all, of all I, the yeah. things we you support. stand for you know? it, stand mm-hmm. for it. Like I want to keep cr- Criterion in business. Like I, same thing, we, we watch one Criterion movie like every two months, but like I still want to give them money. Yeah, same. Like Shudder. I watch more things on Shudder, but that's like another <laughs> thing where I'm like. I watch you, more I things to... on Tubi. <laughs> free ass to be i mean i'm just glad that something like shutter and criterion exists because it's like if that yeah. goes away then so many films are going to be impossible to see so it's like you gotta you gotta support it support the arts okay. speaking of supporting jay what do you want to tell our audience about your plugs my plugs uh watch network television uh so i can continue uh working and having health insurance uh also listen to Podween satan the greatest podcast in the world about the greatest band in the world which is ween what about you, Joe? Uh, I'll shout out my movie review podcast, Beat It Movie Reviews. Go check it out if you just want to hear me and my co-host, Chris Asoda, talk about movies that uh, we both watch that week and TV shows and then do a feature review. We do that. Uh, nothing special to it except me. And uh, I have a couple of classes uh, up on scriptanatomy.com that have not sold out just yet. Um, so you can take them online. They're pretty great. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for the artwork. Thank you, Mr. Owl, for this amazing track. And thank you for listening.